0: from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin.
1: Hello everybody, Mark Levin here, our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. There's a lot I want to get into today. But I want to make a comment, if I might, about the Oscars. We're not discussing the Oscars on this show. In fact, I told Mr. Producer I don't want any clips from the Oscars. You've been hearing about the Oscars all day long, even though most of you didn't watch the Oscars. You've been hearing from TV and radio hosts who play the clips, who say they didn't watch the Oscars yet apparently they want to punish you by running clips of the Oscars. This is called conservative talk radio. At least that's what it used to be called. It doesn't mean you only have to talk about conservatism and be a grouch. It doesn't mean you can't be entertaining and talk about all kinds of things. But I have to say, in this particular instance, if you're not going to watch the Oscars... Why would you take clips from the Oscars and play them and then critique them? We know what took place at the Oscars. We know what was going to take place at the Oscars. That's why most of you didn't watch it. You know what the Oscars is? You know what that event is? It's multi-million dollar, narcissist prima donna Democrats giving each other awards. And attacking Americans. And in that room, in the aggregate, whether there are hundreds or thousands, is among the lowest collection of low IQ people, the largest collection of low IQ people I can imagine. Honest to God, why do I care what Jimmy Kimmel has to say? Why do I care what any actress or actor has to say? Unless they have written something that's really persuasive or profound... So, I'd rather talk about the people who keep talking about it and claim to be conservatives. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, aren't there other things going on that could be discussed in a compelling, interesting, entertaining way? I think so. I mean, how predictable is it? The Oscars are on and we talk about Here's what's interesting. At 10 p.m. Eastern Time last night, I was on the Fox News channel interviewing for a full hour, Devin Nunes. He was unbelievable. Unbelievable. As he and I walked through this horrific scandal of domestic political surveillance by the Obama administration and the Democrat Party and the FBI and the Department of Justice and various intelligence agencies. We walked through it like Sherman through Atlanta. Piece by piece by piece. No interruptions. No multiple guests. None of it. Probably the most comprehensive yet concise plain English explanation of what's taking place in your country to undermine your constitution by rogue elements in the Obama administration leading all the way to the White House. Now, I don't need any help from my colleagues in radio or TV, but let me ask you something. Why would they play over and over and over again clips from the Oscars and not discuss some of the incredible things that Devin Nunes had to say? And I'll tell you why. This is going to upset some people, but I'm going to tell you why. Conservative talk radio isn't that conservative anymore. It's just not. The priorities are bizarre. The positions on policies are bizarre. It's just not that conservative anymore. Again, we talk about the culture all the time. When relevant, we talk about Hollywood. But why? Do we care about the Oscars? What relevance does that have at all, in any way, to anything? I can't think of any. And if we are disgusted by the Jimmy Kimmels and the leftists and the abject hypocrisy in Hollywood when it comes to discrimination and sexual harassment and so forth and so on, To draw this kind of attention to Hollywood, and then slap yourself on the back, saying, look how I'm pointing this out, aren't they bad? It's just cheesy to me. It's cheesy to me. You know what's harder? To go against the president on tariffs. Then you might split your audience. You know what's harder? To have a truly deep, thoughtful discussion about economics and liberty and capitalism and to make it entertaining, even fun, and of course provocative. Truth, I don't try to make it anything. It just happens, and you interact, and we interact. But I wanted to mention this. I think in many ways, despite what some others might say, the intellectual side of conservatism is as weak as it's ever been. It's weak because it's mischaracterized, not just by the left and the media, but by people who claim to be on the right. I read a piece on a website many of us like talking about the free market purists. There are no free market purists. What does that even mean? Does that mean you have trade without taxes? Well, there's always taxes on trade. Does that mean you have trade without regulations? There's always regulation on trade. The ignorance of people who write like this. If you ever try to ship something from this country to another country... There's all kinds of documents you have to sign, all kinds of regulations, all kinds of proffers you have to make and taxes you have to pay, or if you want to ship something into the United States, same thing. It's not as if we don't have tariffs and we have absolute free trade. The truth is, the goal is to have freer trade. So you're freer. But the fact is, there is no free trade. But we want fair trade. So fair trade, you see, is raising taxes massively by the president and the federal government on everything you purchase that has steel, aluminum, or lumber in it. That, they say, is fair trade because it will punish the Chinese. It doesn't punish the Chinese. It punishes you. And where do you think that money goes? Two places. It goes into the federal government, and these favorite industries are able to jack up their prices, just within the limit that's on the tariff. So in other words, if you have a 25% steel tariff on, most of these companies will raise their, their prices 20, 22, 24%. So they're just under it. They make out like bandits. And then they wrap this up in patriotism and Americanism when it's quite the opposite. And if that's so great for America and American jobs, Well, why would you just limit it to steel and aluminum and lumber? Let's massively increase tariffs on wheat. Let's massively increase tariffs on corn. Let's massively increase tariffs on every damn thing we produce. Whether it's a raw material or a finished good. That way we'll have explosive growth. Explosive wage increases. We will destroy every competitor. Well, of course, that's nuts. You know what you'll have? The poorest country on the face of the earth. To the protectionists out there, the Republican Herbert Hoovers and the Republican Bernie Sanders, the question is, why limit the tariffs? Why limit it to three industries? Well, you know, Mark, we need steel for national security. Really? Well, since 70% of the steel in this country is produced by American companies, has nothing to do with national security. In fact, any other industry in this country that controls seventy percent of the market, it would be called a monopoly. Are you aware of that? It will be under investigation by the antitrust division, our antitrust division, and our Justice Department. If any other if there was a car company that controlled seventy percent of the car market, it would be called a monopoly. If there was an oil company that controlled seventy percent of the oil in this country, it would be called a monopoly. The propaganda that's been used over the course of the last half century to defend these industries has been very, very effective. And at the root of this is a lack of understanding about liberty and capitalism. And it's truly sad, because liberty and capitalism go to the core of this nation. What's liberty? What does it mean? Why isn't it ever discussed in the context of these economic decisions? What's capitalism? Unfettered capitalism. We don't have unfettered capitalism. We're getting more and more socialist by the day. What do you mean unfettered capitalism? We had a Huge burst of capitalism during the Reagan years. Oh, what happened, Mark? What Created 25 million jobs right into the Clinton administration. Over 7% economic growth in several quarters. We've never seen anything like this. Because capitalism works. You've been told this big lie that China's dumping steel in the United States. 2%. Two percent. China has nothing to do with this. And by the way, China is our enemy. It's our sworn enemy. And if you want to be a hawk on China, you should join me, not the Bernie Sanders Herbert Hoover protectionists. Do you know who wants America to put tariffs on steel and aluminum? Even while their propagandists in China are saying, Don't do it. We'll retaliate. China. Now, why? Why? When you raise the price of steel with tariffs coming into this country, and our steel companies massively increase their prices too, who do you think is going to sell cheap steel to Mexico? Who do you think is going to sell cheap steel to France? Who do you think is going to sell cheap steel all over the world? China. China. We're handing them our steel market. The irony of this is it's self-destructive. You massively increase the cost to the consumers, many of whom are union members, blue-collar workers, pensioners on fixed incomes. You massively increase their costs. The federal government collects the taxes so they can redistribute to, to, uh, to other people. The steel companies hugely increase their prices to come right under the tariff level. And China makes out like a bandit. Because this market then is surrendered to China. And they all sell the steel. Because all over the world they're looking for cheaper steel. They're not going to get it from the United States. You're not going to get it as a consumer in this country when you purchase a car. And nobody's going to want to buy our steel overseas... Because now it's even more expensive. But buy it from China or some other steel-producing nation. What about our military? They talk about national security. What happens when you drive up the price of steel by, let's just say, 20% in this country? And you drive up the price of aluminum, let's just say, 7, 8, 9% in this country. What do you think happens? Every dollar spent... By the United States military to increase our readiness is a weaker dollar. It doesn't buy as much. Doesn't buy as many jet fighters and bombers. Doesn't buy as many naval ships. Doesn't buy as many tanks and jeeps and armored personnel carriers. Doesn't buy as many rifles and pistols and bazookas and all the rest. Because we're taxing the United States military as we're taxing everybody else. And we have history. I thought conservatives cared about history. Whenever we've had across the board, across the board tariffs like this, it's created economic dislocation in our country. It's pointed an enormous number of people out of work in our country, downstream from the particular industry, that is industries that use that material to create things, because they can't export them. And the irony is, all this talk about the imbalance of exports and imports, you know what happens? It gets worse, for those of you who are concerned about it. It gets worse. You should be very, very skeptical when people have simple answers to a complex economy. When people say that government needs to step in and make things fair and equal. When has that ever happened? Well, Mark, steel's different from every other thing. Government's different when it deals with steel as opposed to anything else. That's absurd. I'll be right back. Mark Lubin. I mean, this is basic stuff. Basic stuff. And so that's why I ask you, just how conservative is conservative property? Let me suggest to you, not as conservative as some would have you believe, particularly on the left. paints everybody in conservative radio with a broad brush. What about this argument on trade, that you need tariffs to protect American salaries against people overseas who are paid much less? Every year the book, Free to Choose, that came out decades ago, was a smash hit. Uh, PBS did a multi-part program on it. Old Milton Friedman answers this. He said, The argument in favor of tariffs, that is the greatest emotional appeal to the public at large, is the alleged need to protect the high standard of living of American workers from the so-called unfair competition of workers in Japan or Korea or Hong Kong, and now we could say China, who are willing to work for a much lower wage. So what is wrong with this argument? Don't we want to protect the high standard of living of our people? The fallacy in this argument is the loose use of the terms high, wage, low, wage. What do high and low wages mean? American workers are paid in dollars. Japanese workers are paid in yens. How do we compare wages in dollars with wages in yens? How many yens equal a dollar? What determines that exchange rate at any given time? I want to get into this further. Because if I don't get into it, who will? So then we've got to listen to Jimmy Kimmel, who I despise. I'll be right back.
0: Mark Levin, America's passionately cerebral voice. Talk with that voice now. 877 381
1: 3811. Now, you don't have to be a free trade purist. Quote unquote, to oppose stupid ideas, do you? You don't have to be a free trade purist to oppose self-destructive economic policies, do you? That drive up the cost to every consumer in this country? That in fact has the opposite effect that the ideologues of protectionism say? And how does this punish China? Folks, you want to punish China? We can punish China. And by the way, who's been on this radio, behind this microphone, on Levin TV, week after week, month after month, year after year, saying we must punish China? So the the screwball idea is we punish China by driving up the cost of your refrigerator. We punish China by driving up the cost of a can of beer. We punish China by by driving up the cost of a pickup truck in America. So we punish the American people, and that's how we punish China. We open foreign markets where China can sell steel in competition against our steel industries. That's how we punish China. So apparently, if you think this is all stupid, you're a free market purist. You don't have to be a free market purist to know stupidity when it's staring you in the face. Now what about... Salaries and wages. You know, we need to keep our wages high because our our workers are competing against people get a dollar an hour or whatever. So Friedman points out the fallacy in this argument is the loose use of the terms high wage and low wage. Oh, by the way, I know from time to time, I actually bring some scholarship into this program. I know it's different. I know it is. What do high and low wages mean? American workers are paid in dollars. Japanese workers are paid in the yen. Who the hell knows what Chinese workers are paid in? How do we compare wages in dollars with wages in yen or wages in the Chinese currency? How many yen equal a dollar at any given time? What determines that exchange rate? And then Friedman has an example. Suppose that in an extreme case to begin with, 360 yen equal a dollar. At this exchange rate, the actual rate of exchange for many years, suppose that the Japanese can produce and sell everything for fewer dollars than we can in the United States. TV sets, automobiles, steel, even soybeans, wheat, milk, ice cream. If we had free international trade, we would try and buy all the goods from Japan. Now this would seem to be the extreme horror story the kind depicted by defenders of tariffs. We would be flooded with Japanese goods and could sell them nothing. Now, has that ever happened? Has that ever happened? Do we not export anything because our wages are so high and theirs are so low? Do we not export anything because our wages are so high and theirs are so low? Of course, that's an idiotic argument, isn't it? His example is exactly right. We export a whole lot, even though our wages may be higher, even though our cities and states and our federal government impose a minimum wage. They impose all kinds of taxes on employers in this country, visible and invisible, to drive up the cost of doing business even though it's harder and harder to get through the the bureaucracy and the various levels of taxation local county state federal whatever we still export a hell of a lot and our wages are higher so it is said but Friedman's point is it's impossible to calculate our wages may be higher than, say, the a similar worker in China on an assembly line, but they don't need as much to live. So their economy is different. Or in Japan, or in South Korea, or Timbuktu, it doesn't matter. You can't really compare them. To say, we have wage earners in the steel industry that earn, let's say, $80,000 a year, but in Japan they only earn $47,312 a year based on the exchange rate. What does that mean? What's the cost of living? What's the average lifestyle? That's his point. That these are absurd comparisons. We've learned a lot in this debate over the last week, if you've listened to this program, that in fact, China can dump all the steel at once at 2% of the total production in the United States. That was a phony argument from day one. Don't you feel like somebody lied to you? That 70% of steel produced in the United States is produced by American companies? You didn't know that before last week. The media didn't tell you. I told you. That this wage comparison is really irrational. It doesn't make any sense. Different types of currency, different types of living styles, we have no idea. But in any event, that raising taxes on the consumer for major, major consumer items, we're talking about automobiles, we're talking about all kinds of equipment in your home, your HVAC system. The steel that's used in your home, some steel beams are necessary. The aluminum and steel in your automobiles and trucks. All that gets passed on to you. So raising your taxes, raising your cost of living, taking away the tax cut you just got from the Republican Party and Trump when you purchase an item, that somehow that's going to punish China. So what are they going to do? Produce one and a half percent of our steel? And you know, the worst part about this is how they wrap it up in national security. The protectionists are pathetic. They're going to drive up the cost, the cost of all the new equipment and machinery the military needs. They're going to drive up the cost. And they claim to be patriotic. Let me ask you a question. If the Democrat Party said we want to cut 10, 12, 15 percent from these so-called new spending increases for the military, would that be patriotic? Of course not. It's not patriotic. We need what we need. So it doesn't even have the effect that they say it's going to have. It's not going to produce jobs. It may protect some jobs temporarily. It may protect some industries from competition that already control 70% of the production in the United States. Virtual monopoly control. But thousands and thousands of you in blue-collar jobs, on assembly lines, who make automobiles, who make automobile parts, who make pipes, who make HVAC systems, who make anything related to steel and aluminum, make it with your hands, a certain percentage of you are going to be unemployed. A certain percentage of you who may also belong to unions, who are not millionaires, who work very hard every day to put food on the table for your family. How about law enforcement? You know, they buy cars too. They buy trucks too. They buy weapons too. All those costs are going to go up. All of them. All of them. How about firefighters? There's a lot of metal in those... In those trucks, which are already extremely expensive, well, those costs are going up, too. All those costs are going up. The assembly line workers, soda companies, beer companies, soup companies, vegetable companies, all those costs are going up. certain percentage of you are going to lose your jobs, too. You understand what's going on here? And while that's going on, all of you are going to pay more. All of you. And for what? The domestic steel company should own 80% of domestic production? I heard this this propagandist for the administration, Peter Navarro I think his name is, talking about the number of steel mills that have gone out of business. What he doesn't tell you is that steel has had a booming year last year. What he doesn't tell you is how much steel is produced in the United States. doesn't matter how many steel mills are out of business. What matters is, are they producing enough steel for our use? And the answer is yes. And it's not because of trade, ladies and gentlemen. Do you know why some of these mills close? Why do some of these smokestack buildings and industries close? Because they don't modernize. They don't compete. They don't use new technologies. Should every steel mill remain open no matter what? Should every business stay open no matter what? What, are we all in the federal government now? No matter what, you keep your job no matter what, you keep your desk no matter what, you push the paper? It's not how capitalism works. That's not how any rational economy works. How conservative is conservative talk radio? Where talk show hosts avoid this? Where talk show hosts spin? This isn't patriotic. How is this patriotic? Weakening the United States. Causing prices to go up. Killing jobs. Opening foreign markets to the Chinese driving up the cost to the military, driving up the cost to local law enforcement, driving up the cost to firefighters. How is that making America first? It may make certain specific limited unions for a period of time first, but the impact on the nation is grievous. Ladies and gentlemen, We need more capitalism, not more socialism. We need to create millions and millions of new jobs in industries we haven't even thought about yet. That's how you crush the Chinese. Look at the oil industry. Look at the oil industry. Half a century ago, the Arab nations got together in something called OPEC, a cartel, to drive our oil companies out of business, to drive up the price of gas forevermore. Ronald Reagan's elected President of the United States, the first thing he does is deregulate natural gas. The second thing he does is deregulate crude oil. Against the howls of the media and the left, he said the way to deal with this is unleash American ingenuity. Then I read an article today That America is now and will be, for the foreseeable future, a net exporter of energy. Now think about that. wasn't that long ago when we were talking about energy independence. Energy independence, that's what they used to say. Now, of course, the left wants to kill it. They have their global warming propaganda and all, but put them aside. How did we become energy independent? How did we become energy independent? Through tariffs? Through protectionism? No. Through capitalism. Through new technologies. Through fracking. That's how we became energy independent. See, capitalism is pro-national security. Now, if we want to deal with China, we need to deal with China. I'm all for that. I don't believe we should be sending our high-end technology to China, which they are stealing, and I do a whole show on this tonight on Levin TV. There are ways to deal with that without forcing the American people to pay enormous taxes, without forcing a significant percentage of people who are in the steel, aluminum, lumber industries downstream Without them losing their jobs. And by, by God, surrendering the foreign steel and aluminum and lumber markets to China, to Russia, to all these other countries. There are ways to deal with China that are far more effective. But these propagandists and surrogates all over TV don't have the guts to do it. Because you know why? They're fronting for special interests. Wilbur Ross is a multi-billionaire because he's a protectionist. I haven't watched all his interviews because it's a snorefest. But why don't they ask Mr. Ross how he became wealthy? I'm not against becoming wealthy. Maybe he should explain to the American people. You too can buy a bankrupt steel mill, go to Washington, D.C., demand subsidies, demand tariffs, and get rich too. I'll be right back. Much- Show me that list again, Mr. Producer. I had it here, but not, not anymore. Things disappear off my desk. There's so many things. Let's see. Rick Barstow, California, Sirius Satellite. Go right ahead, sir.
0: I'm here, I'm here, now calling from my underground command post. All
1: right, sir, go right ahead before $1,000 we $1,000 run out of time. Go ahead.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> hey, tariffs, they tariffs our goods over there, is that correct? Say what? They tariffs, they put tariffs on our goods going to China, am I correct? Well,
1: yes, I'm sure they do. I'm sure many countries put tariffs on our goods. We put 12,000, okay. so we, sir, we, sir, sir, sir. Do we put tariffs on goods coming into this country?
0: I don't believe so, but I don't know. I'm asking you. Well, do
1: you want to be educated?
0: Yes, I do, because I'm an idiot.
1: (laughs) Okay. Thanks for your call. All right. I don't know if he's had too much to drink, but he's enjoying himself, so I don't want to bother him. Fact of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, we have 12,000 tariffs in place. We even have tariffs on steel. Did you know that? We have tariffs on steel already. So this is about adding tariffs, additional tariffs. That's what it's about. So I already have tariffs on steel. You know, uh, I hope you all got to check out my brand new show, Life, Liberty, and Levin over on Fox News. We've had some amazing feedback from fans saying it's unlike anything else on TV. Now, if you've subscribed to Levin TV, you probably already know that. If you saw the launch on Fox but haven't subscribed to CRTV yet, I hope you can see a little bit of what you're missing over on Levin TV. Now, Levin TV is a different show. But the things we focus on are the same. History, philosophy, current events, all from a constitutional perspective. Now, if you're ready to get past the superficial fluff that fills the liberal mainstream media, but you want it more than just once a week, you need to get CRTV. We've got it all with shows like Phil Robertson, Andrew Wilkow, Stephen Crowder. We're adding many more all the time. We've got a whole bunch of wonderful conservatives, all different personalities and so forth. Get a full year of CRTV for less than 8 bucks a month when you use promo code LEVIN at checkout. That's L-E-V-I-N. Because our second year anniversary, what's today, Mr. Producer? The fifth? Our second year anniversary is on Wednesday. So you get 20% off if you use code LEVIN2. That's LEVIN2. So give us a call. 844-LEVIN-TV and we'll set you up. 844-LEVIN-TV. Or go to CRTV.com, use code LEVIN2. I'll be right back. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the Nutrition Facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now, you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. He's He's here.
2: He's here.
1: Now, even though I have my strong agreements and disagreements with the administration and the president, I believe it is essential that each and every one of us defend the outcome of this election that took place and reject the political, domestic, surveillance, and related activity that was used by the Obama administration and its surrogates against the Trump candidacy, transition and still presidency. And Fox News has just reported that Robert Mueller is using additional information to conduct investigations based in part on additional information provided by Christopher Steele, the ex-British spy who worked with Kremlin apparatchiks. Now, I understand that uh, most of my colleagues in this business were either busy watching the Oscars or picking their navels and decided to use clips today to present you with what took place at the Oscars. But other things were taking place over the weekend, too. Devin Nunes sat down with me for a full hour, and we had a discussion like nobody else has had with him, because life, liberty, and living, is, it's a different kind of show, as I told you it would be. It's a long-form interview show, and so I'm not bouncing like a ping-pong ball between guests and subjects, but he said a few things that are very, very important. And I asked him a very specific question at the get-go. Cut three, go. Did the Obama administration spy on the Trump campaign? Okay, now, did the Obama administration spy on the Trump campaign? If that kind of question had to be asked in any other campaign, in any other context in the past, the fact that it has to be asked is a bombshell, right? So let's start at the top and see what the chairman says. Go ahead. Did the Obama administration spy on the Trump campaign?
3: I think it's pretty clear. I think average Americans understand that
1: that happened. Stop! Chairman of the committee says yes. The Obama administration spied on the Trump campaign. Now remember something. Before he was chairman of this committee, Devin Nunes was considered a fairly moderate republican who pretty much supported you know republican leadership he's very close to kevin mccarthy he's a neighboring district so he's never been considered a bomb thrower i don't believe he's a member of the freedom caucus but he loves his country many members of his family have served and do serve in the United States military. He's really a citizen politician. He didn't plan on running for Congress, but he did. He decided to run on Congress, among other reasons, because he comes from a part of the country in California where the left-wing Democrats have so limited the amount of water that get to the farms there. You know about this. They've put many people out of business, and they've turned fertile land really the breadbasket of American agriculture in many respects in this country, into desert, if you will. So he wanted to do something about that because he and his family, for several generations, have been farmers. He decided to serve on the intel committee uh, because of his family's commitment to the military. Jim Gary points this out at National Review. So that's his background. Go ahead.
3: To what degree, it's hard to know because the proper investigations haven't been done. But uh, it started with unmaskings. There were unmaskings of Trump transition officials that I think are still questionable. We don't know if that's been investigated yet or not. Uh, And then if you look at the culmination now that we found out about the use of the dossier and the, the tracking of Carter Page... Um, where Carter Page could have had emails that were intercepted that could have come from the Trump campaign. So I think there was a pretty strong effort to spy on the campaign.
1: Now I'm back live. Now during the course of the program, I walked Nunes through numerous media reports, obviously leaked from the FBI, the Justice Department, intel agencies, perhaps the Obama White House, about the FISA, these other activities that took place. And several of them talked about information going to the White House. And I underscored this point. And there's even a report now on cable where they're saying the president didn't really know about the Russian dossier and this sort of activity, the FISA, until after the election. That's a lie, ladies and gentlemen, because there were news reports earlier. He had to know. Anyway, when I said to Nunez and I said I want I've gone through these articles with you and so forth, here's the back and the forth. Cut four, go. I just went through what, three, four, five articles of leaks, of felony leaks of what is supposed to be secret information. And they leaked this information to try and affect the general election, then the transition, and now the incoming administration. I don't know that anybody's been charged with anything at this point. But what's interesting to me is, when I pointed this out about a year ago, you did too. The media pivoted. Suddenly it wasn't, look how bad Trump is, FISA, and all this other stuff. It was, it was a right-wing conspiracy to attack the FBI. Attack the media. To attack the media. Mm-hmm. Are you not shocked at the lack of curiosity by the vast majority of the mainstream media in this country? But what I would argue is... A, a a a a historical violation of the rule of law abrogation of our secrecy requirements and domestic political surveillance that took place are you shocked that you're the target of attacks rather than people encouraging you to pursue this well i'm i'm shocked and i'm scared
3: not personally i'm scared for our country all of the leaks that, that you just showed it floors me that no serious investigation has been done on any of this. Mm-hmm. The most serious felony that occurred was the leak of the Flynn Kislyak call, where you had, if you believe the newspaper, the mainstream media, nine sources supposedly cooperated that information. This would not be complicated for the FBI or DOJ to figure out who the leakers were
1: no question and then I went into the the effort to smear him and destroy him because he decided to look into this cut 5 go in preparation for the program I looked at the attacks on you uh, the memorandum that you put out which essentially says what we've been talking about and um, we have the Washington Post democratic memo discredits Nunes tantalizes on dossier corroboration then we have the Atlantic the Democratic memo undercuts key Republican complaints about the FBI then we have New York magazine the Nunez memo is fake and the Russia scandal is very real it must be very disconcerting and frustrating to you you know a hell of a lot more than us because you get confidential and secret information to see what has taken place in the executive branch under the prior administration and frankly continuing the bureaucracy in this administration and to see one newspaper after another, one opinion writer after another defending it. Yeah. And attacking you.
3: Well and don't forget, these everything that you have in this pile here, at least those that you just read. Pile's the right word. (laughs) That's a pile of something, I think. Yes. This is this is part of the Democratic Party's network. So what I've said, I said this at CPAC the other day. The media in this country is dead. It no longer exists. And the American people need to understand this. I don't know how, I don't know where it's going to all end. I don't know if it's dead forever. Uh, but 90% of the media is far left wing and they are totally reliant. They're totally reliant on getting clicks and playing to their base and to their owners to support what their owners want. And there is, there are very few outlets that are going to give anything that is a a, even a I wouldn't even say conservative point of view but even kind of a conservative to mainstream point of view those outlets don't exist and they masquerade they use the 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 story names of these great great institutions or these great companies like the Washington Post I mean it's been around forever Uh, did you know a lot of historic work over for decades but no longer it no longer does that
1: this is just a little taste and he is fascinating. He is very interesting, and he has a lot of information to go. We did together to go through and to discuss, which is why I really love the format of the program. One more from last night: Life, Liberty, and Levin. Devin Nunes cut six. Go. It appears that the media woke up with the possible election of Donald Trump, and it was dormant during much the Obama administration. Seems to me we have what I call Praetorian Guard media. They're going to protect the Obama administration no matter what that administration did or does. And if the shoe were on the other foot, if this were a Republican administration that did this to a Democrat candidate, it would be the greatest scandal in American history.
3: Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine if it was George W. Bush and Karl Rove doing this to the incoming Obama administration, who, by the way, had people that were over in Russia? Mm-hmm. back in 2008. If they said they were investigating the people from the Obama administration, the Obama campaign that were over in Russia talking to Russians and were investigating them for the Logan Act, mm-hmm. they would have burnt down the Department of Justice. Yeah, I agree.
1: Well, that's a taste of it. We're going to have an incredible guest. I'm not even allowed to mention who it is uh, next Sunday. Mr. Producer, the Oscars aren't next Sunday too, are they? I don't think so. Oh. So was that interesting to you? I mean, there's a lot more. You can go online and listen. Or I can play a clip of Jimmy Kimmel. We'll be right back. Mark
2: lovin'.
1: I understand this correctly? That Robert Mueller's now investigating possible collusion in the Trump campaign with Qatar, or was it the UAE? It's so confusing. Now, I spent maybe half the show last Friday, maybe the first hour, talking about how the attacks on this president, this family, his wife, on her immigration status, his daughter, some investment overseas, his son-in-law on 15 different things, his son, Jr., Donald Trump, Jr., on a meeting he had, and on and on and on. That I've never seen anything like this before, and every day it's something else. We're told that the Mueller team doesn't leak, but they do leak. We know a lot about what he's doing. And among other things, looks like he's moved off a collusion from Russia. Now, if we had a responsible Deputy Attorney General, this would stop. There is no way the framers of the Constitution would have empowered an inferior officer of the government who is unaccountable to the President or Congress to be free to travel throughout the backgrounds of a, of a president and his family to go into various eights and so forth who they worked for and didn't work for in search of a crime not a process crime but a crime. <coughs> Let me be very clear about this. <coughs> When you look at the President of the United States, Donald Trump, he seems utterly unaffected by all this, because he's a strong man. But no man is utterly unaffected by this. Not when his family is under constant assault. Not when he is under constant assault. Not when he has to keep his lips sealed for the most part. They told, look at, he's tweeting, tweeting. The fact is, I'm sure the things he's like, he would like to say that he can't. And you're the President of the United States and you're trying to deal with China and North Korea and Russia in Iran, you've got domestic issues you're trying to deal with, whether it's immigration, whether you agree with them or not, tariffs, whether you agree with them or not, the President of the United States has an unimaginable responsibility. Every one of them who retires says so. We've reached a point now With this special counsel and his myopic, obsessed focus is undermining the country. It's literally undermining the country because it's got to be at least in part a distraction to the president and quite frankly to the executive branch. When you have an individual like Mr. Mueller and an individual like Mr. Rosenstein, doing what they're doing. These are not good law men. These are not men pursuing justice. These are men with unlimited power, unlimited budgets, who are on a mission. Mr. Mueller and his Democrat prosecutors are on a mission to take out the President of the United States and he's going to take out as many people around the president as possible. When you're issuing subpoenas for all text messages and all emails from subordinates going back to 2015, that is a incredibly broad document request. Incredibly broad. When you're sending FBI agents into the former campaign manager's home, Manafort, with guns drawn when there's no indication whatsoever that he's a danger, that's a disgrace. This is America. This is America, at least it used to be. So Mr. Mueller now, in my view, is doing things, and Mr. Rosenstein, who has to approve them, that are extremely detrimental to the well-being of this nation. By distracting this president with every conceivable argument, by pushing the obstruction of justice meme out there, the president needs to be focused. It's remarkable that he's been able to do what he's doing. Remarkable. It's not as if he fixed the court case like Bill Clinton. It's not as if he lied to a federal judge like Bill Clinton. It's not as if he encouraged perjury like Bill Clinton. No, 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 that was just a personal matter. No, that was an assault on our justice system. No evidence whatsoever that Donald Trump acting in the capacity of president by firing Comey obstructed anything. This is truly treacherous. It just is. I'll be right back.
0: Put in the voice liberals fear most and you can call mark at eight seven seven three eight one three
1: eight one one can you imagine test driving a car for 100 days or having 100 days to break in a new pair of shoes that's what casper's doing giving you 100 nights to test the casper mattress seriously 100 nights over three months the casper mattress has a unique combination of foams that provide the right pressure relief and alignment so you'll feel perfectly balanced and comfortable. It ships for free in a how-do-they-do-that-sized box. And if you don't love it, they'll come pick it up and give you a full refund. Now, when the choice is to test a mattress by sleeping on it for 100 nights in your home or trying one in a store, it's a no-brainer. Take Casper's 100-night sleep challenge, and you'll get a great night's sleep, guaranteed. Plus, right now, when you go to casper.com slash mark, And use code Mark, you'll save $50 on select mattresses. So check it out. That's Casper.com slash Mark, code Mark. Save $50 on select mattresses. Casper.com, terms and conditions apply. One more time. It's code Mark at Casper.com slash Mark. Yes. President and B.B. Netanyahu met today. I think these guys really get along very, very well. I mean, that's every indication. Every indication. President Trump has been the best friend Israel has had in my lifetime. And I even say that having worked for Ronald Reagan. In his recognition as Jerusalem as Israel's capital. His insistence on moving our embassy to Jerusalem in May, which is the 70, 70th anniversary of the nation of Israel, the formal nation of Israel. Uh, and it's amazing to me, and I speak as a uh, conservative American who is Jewish. It's amazing to me, yet yeah, the hate out there for Trump among Jews and Gentiles. But I find it particularly galling for the left within the Jewish community. And again, I I say this as a Jew. And yet some of these same folks embrace Obama, who was the worst president in the 70-year history of the nation of Israel, the formal nation of Israel who unleashed the Iranian-Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran. And as I've said to you many, many times, even worse than Neville Neville Chamberlain, an appeaser. You can't accuse Neville Chamberlain of actually funding the Third Reich, can you? No. But you can accuse Barack Obama of actually funding the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran. No question about it. Funding it. What will the world say a hundred years from now? Take my word for it. He won't get this lavish, lavish, slobbering, praising press that he gets today from our Praetorian Guard media. Then I look at these two men, Trump and Netanyahu, and the same leftists. Who have always objected to them. The same leftists who oppose their elections. Try to destroy them. Take something that's so minor and try and turn it into something so major. Power by any means. Destruction by every route. So they unleashed police investigations of Netanyahu, just as they unleashed a special counsel on Trump. And when these so-called investigators have a myopic mission, you know, that's not like in the case of Mueller. He's the U.S. attorney in Manhattan covering that entire... No, he's effectively the U.S. attorney for Donald Trump. Just like these so-called police investigators in Israel are investigators for Bibi Netanyahu and his family and his wife, who's also trashed. See, liberals are liberals. They know no boundaries. Leftists are leftists, whether they're in the United States or whether they're in Israel or whether they're in Europe. Same mentality. They're progressives. Remember where progressivism comes from. Wasn't born in the United States. Certainly wasn't born in Israel. It's been imported into both countries. And so you get report after report after report on cable, on the networks, the newspapers. These two men are meeting, and they need each other because of these investigations. That's not why they're meeting. Netanyahu can't do anything to help Trump with Mueller, and Trump can't do anything to help Netanyahu with what's going on over there. They're meeting because Trump is a patriot for America, And Netanyahu is a patriot for Israel. We have common values and beliefs. And we have common enemies. In particular, Iran. Backed by Russia. That's why they're meeting. Trying to figure out what to do with Obama. What what, what Obama unleashed. But the same media who hate them. In this country and in Israel. It doesn't matter. You know, ladies and gentlemen, we're facing China, we're facing Russia, North Korea and Iran. And the radical forces within our country are trying to handicap the president, who's the one commander-in-chief who we have. He's it. That's it. In Israel, they're surrounded by enemies. Iran has moved its border effectively on the border with Israel through Syria and Lebanon. They have a militia, if you will, an army called Hezbollah, which they've armed with sophisticated weapons. They're all protected by Russia. Russia wasn't in Syria until Obama allowed them into Syria. See, where you have gaps and weaknesses, the enemy will move. And that's same on trade and economics. That's what they do. Because of the naivete and foolishness of American administrations. And here you have in Israel a nation that may well be on the precipice of war. Perhaps the most difficult war we'll ever have to fight. Against a nation that has 70 or 80 million people versus 12 or 13 million people. And geographically, Israel is tiny. It takes nothing to hit Tel Aviv, nothing to hit Jerusalem, nothing to hit Hebron, or whatever whatever city there is in Israel. Nothing. Zero. And yet the media and the leftist parties in Israel, often one and the same as here, spend more time trying to destroy their prime minister, who's been the second longest serving prime minister, after Ben-Gurion, and I would say, one of the great world leaders of our time. Just as the media in our country, same mindset, seek to destroy Donald Trump, who's done more to confront North Korea, more to confront Iran, quite frankly, than Obama could ever dream of, trying to undo what Obama did, than any prior president. In modern history, I'm not talking about the Korean War. I'm talking post-Korean War. Because this is what they do on the left. They criminalize politics. The Democrats in our country have more in common with Putin than they realize, or that they're willing to admit. Care about due process, and care about the Constitution, care about the FBI and the Department of Justice and all the rest. You're their enemy, they want to take you out. The same applies to the left in Israel. You're their enemy. They want to take you out. So Trump and Netanyahu meeting. Two friends. It's clear they're friends. It's clear they like each other. Netanyahu spent a good deal of his youth in the United States. His father was a scholar in history. Taught for a period of time at the University of Pennsylvania and MIT. Bibi Netanyahu and his older brother, Yanni, went to a high school in suburban Philadelphia called Cheltenham High School. That's my high school. Netanyahu is seven years older than I am. So I skipped 12th grade and I went into high school. That means he was six years ahead of me. So obviously I never met him or his older brother. His older brother, Yanni, was the commander in charge of the Entebbe raid. Forget about the movie that's coming out on Entebbe, typically liberal, twisted. You should look at the original movie or read several books about it. It was an incredible rescue of Westerners and Israelis. In Uganda. And it was very, very successful. They got all of them onto an airplane. I won't tell you the whole story, but at the end, as Yanni Netanyahu was making sure everybody got on the plane and the last person got on the plane as he was standing guard in a crotch position, he was killed by a sniper. Netanyahu's older brother. And Netanyahu himself was a great combat warrior. I believe in the late 60s or early 70s, whenever it was. And they would go into these defensive raids over the border. And during one of them, they came under heavy fire and he was shot in the shoulder. Netanyahu. He was also the first time around as prime minister, the youngest prime minister in Israel's short history. And as I said, he's the second longest serving prime minister. He's a unique man for a unique time in our history, as is Trump. And for the little state of Israel, excuse me, for the little state of Israel. Netanyahu has accomplished things that few others could accomplish with his relationship with Trump, his relationship with the United States. You note, he speaks perfect English because he spent many years here. For a brief time after his service in the military, I'm doing this off the top of my head, I just remember, off the military, he went back to the United States. You know, he got degrees at MIT, MIT, he joined a company here, they had studied architecture. His mother was born in Israel, his father was born in Poland, but he went back to his country. But his embrace of America, his embrace of American values are quite unique for any leader of any country. Imagine throwing that all away in Israel. Imagine throwing that all away. Time will tell. I'll be right back. Much love Have here we have Shamane. Uh, Do you wish those sagging droopy eyelids just disappear? These bags and puffiness getting a little worse every day? Then this is the perfect time to take advantage of the crazy spring clearance sale going now at Shamane. Call or click right now, you can get the brand new Genessa eyelid lift absolutely free. The new Genessa eyelid lift contains two cutting-edge natural peptides in a base of hobla oil, green tea, vitamin E, and wonderful flower extracts to achieve amazing lifting effects. Right now, this breakthrough eyelid treatment is yours absolutely free when you order Genesel for bags and puffiness. Remember, it works for men and women, too. Plus, you'll also get the Genesel immediate effects for results in 12 hours. Go to Genesel.com. That's Genesel.com. Better yet, call their toll-free number, 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604. Order right now and get the Genesel Collagen Builder and Deep Firming Serum, two bestsellers, free. Express shipping is also free. That's five luxury gifts, all yours for the price of one. Call the toll-free number. Give it a try. That's the point. It works. 800-SKIN-604. 800-SKIN-604. That's 800-SKIN-604 or Genesel.com. Breaking news, ladies and gentlemen. From our friend John Solomon... His co-writer, Alison Spahn, at the Hill newspaper. Australian diplomat whose tip prompted FBI's Russia probe has tied to the Clintons. The Australian diplomat whose tip in 2016, according to the New York Times anyway, prompted the Russia-Trump investigation, previously arranged one of the largest foreign donations to Bill and Hillary Clinton's charitable efforts. Documents show former Australian Foreign Minister Alexander Downer's role in securing $25 million in aid from his country to help the Clinton Foundation fight AIDS is chronicled in decade-old government memos archived on the Australian Foreign Ministry's website. Downer and former President Clinton jointly signed a memorandum of understanding in February 2006 that spread out the (coughs) grant. That spread out the grant money over four years. (laughs) One moment. Can you dump that? Spread out the grant money over four years for a project to provide screening and drug treatment to AIDS and patients in Asia. Bottom line here, ladies and gentlemen. Remember the New York Times piece? The Australian diplomat overheard Papadopoulos talking about his supposed influence with Russia or vice versa, and that it was the Australian diplomat who caused this whole thing to begin. Well, I believe that was phony, but it doesn't matter. According to the Hill newspaper, this Australian diplomat had a major role in securing $25 million for the Clinton Foundation. Is it possible the New York Times knew this when it reported this, but covered it up? Wouldn't they want to know who this Australian diplomat is and was? Isn't it basic investigative reporting to look into his background? Isn't it basic investigative reporting to see if he was involved in assisting the Clinton Foundation campaign, Clinton World? This gets more disgusting by the day. Meanwhile, you have this moron, this punk, Robert Mueller. Oh, he's such a professional. No, no, he's a good guy. He's a fool. He's a fool. He went after the wrong man on anthrax. For five years, he destroyed another man. And he's never apologized. This clue Now he's looking into other countries that may have been involved in the campaign. Let me ask you a question. How many members of the Clinton campaign, the Clinton staff, Clinton herself, had any communications during the course of the campaign with any foreign government? Has he asked for any of their emails? Why are they only investigating Trump? Why are they only investigating Trump surrogates? Why are they only investigating the Trump campaign? There was another campaign, you know, and they have their grimy fingerprints all over everything. I'll be right back. This is The Hill. This is breaking news. Just minutes ago, Australian diplomat whose tip prompted FBI's Russia probe has tied to Clinton's. The Australian diplomat whose tip in 2016 prompted the, prompted the Russia Trump investigation previously arranged, and this, this is how you know the New York Times originally said that that's how it got started. I am skeptical about that, but that's play along. Previously arranged one of the largest foreign donations to Bill and Hillary Clinton's charitable efforts. Documents show. Former Australian Foreign Minister Alexander Downer's role in securing $25 million in aid for his country to help the Clinton Foundation fight AIDS is chronicled in decade-old government memos archived on the Australian Foreign Ministry's website. Downer and the former President Clinton jointly signed a Memorandum of Understanding in February 2006 that spread out the grant over four years for a project to provide screening and drug treatments to AIDS patients. Let's continue. Money was initially allocated to the Clinton Foundation, but later was routed through an affiliate of a charity known as Clinton Health Access Initiative. In the years that followed, the project won praise for helping thousands, but also garnered criticism from auditors about management weaknesses and inadequate budget oversight. See if this continues. Downer, now Australian ambassador to London, provided the account of a conversation with Trump campaign advisor George papanopoulos Now they had this conversation, it is said, at a London bar in 2016 that became the official reason the FBI opened the Russian counterintelligence probe. But lawmakers say the FBI didn't tell Congress about Downer's prior connection to the Clinton Foundation. Republicans say they are concerned the new information means nearly all the early evidence the FBI used to justify its election year probe of Trump came from sources supportive of the Clintons, including the controversial Steele dossier. The Clintons' tentacles go everywhere, so that's why it's important, says Jim Jordan, and he's right. We continue to get new information every week. It seems that sort of underscores the fact that the FBI hasn't been square with us. Spokesman for the FBI and Russia's special counsel Robert Mueller declined comment. Of course, they will leak their comments to the New York Times or CNN or the Washington Post or Politico. I'm not going to comment on the record. So the Clintons paid for the Clinton campaign in the DNC, the dossier that was used by the FBI, right? The Clintons' buddy here, the foreign minister, who was close to the Clintons, secured $25 million from his government, apparently, to the Clinton Foundation. He was supposedly the original source that prompted the FBI investigation. And Mr. Mueller's chasing down former Trump campaign types, former Trump staffers, Trump surrogates. But I want to repeat what I said during the last hour just to underscore the point. Do we know if any foreign government or any foreign people related to nonprofits or other entities in foreign countries had any communication with the Clinton campaign? Hillary Clinton, Tom Kane, their campaign manager, their campaign spokes- um, spokesman, any other so-called staffers, senior or inconsequential? If Robert Mueller is looking into collusion, should he be looking into collusion with the Clinton campaign and any other government or entity in any other foreign land, just as he's trying to chase down everything with respect to Trump? We've now reached a point that a Republican deputy attorney general, serving as the acting attorney general, because the actual attorney general recused himself, appoints one of his buddies, his special counsel, whose best friends. Well, one of the individuals who should be target of his investigation, and that's Jim Comey. And we now learn that this same Deputy Attorney General, serving as the Acting Attorney General for Russian matters, is signing off again and again and again on Mueller's expansion of his investigation. Now, I want to make a point, and it's not easy for me. It's just not easy for me. I've known the Attorney General for 30 years. Not his best friends, but quite well. When I was Chief of Staff to Attorney General Meese, and he was the U.S. Attorney for the District of Alabama, the entire state. Man has enormous integrity. Enormous integrity. But in my view, he made a mistake. Not about his honor or integrity, not about ethics or anything of the sort. He made a mistake. And the mistake was this. If he really believed he should have recused himself on the Russian matter, then he should have just stepped down. I know he had just left the Senate. He would just been confirmed, I guess. I believe that's when he recused himself, unless he recused himself earlier. But in any event, whatever the lead up to it, he should have just turned down the job or stepped aside. The reason is simple, as we look back. He turned the reins over to Rod Rosenstein, who is an apparatchik. No, not for Russia, for the bureaucracy. Rosenstein demonstrated he had no good judgment by doing two things simultaneously. By appointing Robert Mueller as the special counsel under pressure from the Democrats after Comey was fired. Remember, the Democrats wanted Comey fired. They just didn't want Trump to fire him. So now they turn their guns on Trump. And simultaneously giving Mueller such a broad brief. And then obviously subsequently signing off on his expansions as to turn the Constitution on its head. Mr. Rosenstein, through Mr. Mueller, is not upholding the rule of law. They're making a mockery of constitutional government. They're harming the President while he's trying to be Commander-in-Chief based on no criminal requisite to this investigation. As now Mueller searches around looking for people with close or loose or no associations with the Trump campaign to try and justify his investigation on any grounds he possibly can. What an ethical prosecutor would have done by now, what an ethical special counsel would have done by now, is lock the door and be done with it. Because there is no Russia collusion. Or he would have gone to the Deputy Attorney General as the Acting Attorney General Rosenstein and said, look, there is collusion, but it's the other side. We've learned more. And by the way, no thanks to Mueller, but we've learned more. And so we need to investigate Christopher Steele. We need to investigate Fusion GPS. We need to investigate this lawyer, Mark Elias. We need to investigate the Clinton campaign and the DNC for funding this. We need to investigate the extent to which the Russians provided disinformation. We need to investigate the FBI, which I, Mueller, used to head. And, of course, he should step aside, but that will never happen. We need to investigate how the FBI abused its authority in unleashing the investigation of Trump world, how the FBI violated and abused its power under the FISA statute. And of course, the leaks that came out of the FBI from Comey, from McCabe, from Stroke, from Page, and the abuse of the FISA judges. That's real stuff, not imaginary stuff. That's not about process crimes or anything of the kind. That's not about a former campaign manager failing to file as a federal, in a federal form that he's a. A lobbyist for a foreign country, which apparently many of them fail to do, it's not considered a felony. Are going back multiple years, trying to put the campaign manager Manafort in jail for past transactions and tax issues, which, of course, under Mueller's FBI director, they never pursued in the first place. Like you folks, I am frustrated beyond belief. We all see it in front of us. We all know what's taking place in front of us. It's an old Soviet-style effort to destroy, in this case, a president and his administration. That's what's going on here. The criminalization of politics. Based on nothing. Absolutely nothing. Rosenstein, Mueller, Comey, they now had no collusion with the Russians. Shift. Warner, Schumer, Pelosi, they have no collusion with the Russians. And to the extent there's collusion with the Russians, with the DNC and the Hillary Clinton campaign, their lawyer operative, Elias, opposition group, Fusion GPS, it's link up with Sally Yates' staffer, former deputy attorney general under Obama, all the rest of this disgusting ancestral activity that's going on here incestuous that's where we have actual collusion and that's where we have absolutely no criminal investigation now we're looking at some tiny little Arab country spec to see if there was collusion with that country incredible I'll be right back love, in. make a confession. It'll come out anyway. My ancestors came here from Russia. There's some dispute whether some of them came from Ukraine. It all depends how much, you know, land Russia conquered. So, my ancestors came here from Russia and I must confess that on, I think, two occasions I've actually met Donald Trump Mr Producer. I actually met Donald Trump it's even worse I've known the vice president of the United States for several decades when he was a congressman governor now the vice president I've known him for several decades it's true now i have to confess i've never colluded with them But I don't believe either man has ever said and ever told the American people that, in fact, they have met me and that, in fact, my great-grandparents were Russians. And by the way, I despise Russia, but that's a separate point. So I, I just wanted to make that public announcement up front. I just want to make a public announcement up up, up up front that my ancestors are Russian, or at least some of them are, and that I've met Donald Trump and I've met Mike Pence. I'll, I'll even tell you more while I'm at it. When I was at the White House meeting with the Vice President, and we were invited to meet the President, I shook General Kelly's hand. And I said to General Kelly that I'm sorry he lost his son in combat the way he did, his hero son. But I did meet him, I have to admit it. And uh, there was Eric Trump who was kind of hanging around. I shook his hand too, so I met Eric Trump. We actually touched hands, we shook hands. Now, I can't recall everybody I met at the White House. It's not possible to recall everybody. But I shook a lot of hands. I met a lot of people. Didn't say a lot other than, hello, how you doing, keep up the good work, that sort of thing. I don't know if this will show up in Christopher Steele's next dossier. I don't know if it will show up in the Washington Post or the New York Times. I don't know. But I am of Russian ancestry, and I did meet these people. The president, the vice president, and some of their staff. So I thought I'd get that out in the open. Now, for you liberals out there who hate Joe McCarthy, Joe McCarthy was actually chasing communists. No, he was wrong from time to time, as most politicians are, but he was right from time to time. But you turned his name into a cuss word. McCarthyism. And many of you liberal Democrats, you were soft on communism. Communism. He defended Alger Hiss, and many of you still do. And Alger Hiss was a communist working for the Soviets. A high-ranking State Department official who accompanied Franklin Roosevelt from here to there, negotiating post-World War II, which country would get what, and so forth and so on. He's a communist. Worse, he was a spy. The highest levels of our government. He was revealed by Whitaker Chambers, who'd been a former communist and then rejected it, became dear friends with William F. Buckley, Jr. And one of the men who was involved in exposing Alger Hiss and working with Whitaker Chambers was a congressman, then senator, by the name of Richard Nixon. And the left never forgave Nixon. Didn't matter that when Nixon was president, he gave the motion, the EEOC, and affirmative action, in this side and this, that, and the No, no, no. They took everything he gave them But they were always going to try and destroy him. That's why they say Watergate's the worst crime in political American history. Of course, that's ridiculous. We're living through that right now, in my humble opinion. Right now. So I just wanted to point these things out to you. Now you liberals have gone beyond anything McCarthy ever did. Now, if anybody met a Russian, knew a Russian, and you're beyond that, what was the Arab country that they're, they're looking into now? Mullah's looking into whether or not uh, there was collusion with Qatar or the UAE. They're all the same to me. Some pinprick, nothing country in the Middle East, an Arab land. Who spoke to whom? Who did what? This is a frightening period in our history, folks. Frightening. And it all goes one way against this administration and against the Republicans. Nobody ever asked the Democrat. You know, every member on the House Intelligence Committee on the Democrat side, every member on the Senate Intelligence Committee on the Democrat side, they've never been asked when's the last time you met with the Russians or talked to a Russian. Nobody asked the Hillary Clinton campaign any contacts or discussions with foreign governments, foreign entities, individuals representing themselves of having some association with a foreign government or foreign entity, nobody even asked them. They don't have to answer any questions about quote-unquote collusion or contact, nothing. Meanwhile, we have a Soviet-style apparatchik prosecutor who only hires Democrats searching and looking threatening and indicting frightening. I'll be right back.
2: Some
0: people talk about the Tea Party. We are the Tea Party. Call in
1: now, 877-381-3811. Yes, we is. You know, folks, I really need your attention here. It's not a typical message. When's the last time you checked your HVAC filter? I know, it's not exciting stuff, but it's very important stuff. You know, not properly maintaining your system can cause illness, allergies, and unnecessary wear and tear on your HVAC system, leading to costly repair, even worse, the premature replacement of the entire system. Resolve to breathe better with FilterBuy, America's leading provider of HVAC filters for homes and small businesses. They carry over 600 different filter sizes, including custom options, all shipped for free within 24 hours. Plus, they're manufactured right here in the United States. Filter by offers a multitude of MERV options all the way up to hospital grade, so you'll be removing dangerous pollen, mold, dust, other allergy aggravating pollution while maximizing the efficiency of your system. Now, Right now, you can save 5% when you set up auto delivery, so you never need to think about air filters again. Save money, save time, breathe better with FilterBuy.com. That's FilterBuy.com, FilterBuy.com. Now, let, now, folks, there's a lot of primaries that go on, but there's only a few that I jump into, really less than 10, sometimes less than 6. There's one that I consider at the top of the list. The next great conservative voice, statesman, mind in the House of Representatives. But this guy, he has to get through the primary. There's like 412 people running in the Republican primary. And the primary is tomorrow. And this is in a suburb, as I understand it, of San Antonio. He's not only a dear friend of mine, he is solid as a rock. So I can give a, my personal endorsement to Chip Roy. Chip Roy, how are you, my friend?
0: Mark, great to be on your show. Great to hear from you. And, uh, you know, we're, we're really excited heading into home stretch here with Election Day being tomorrow.
1: Well, first of all, tell everybody where... We're talking about, where is this election?
0: Absolutely. Well, it's Congressional District 21 in the center of Texas. It's what, it's the Hill Country seat, currently occupied by Lamar Smith, who's retiring. It stretches from Austin, South Austin, down to San Antonio and out through the Hill Country, Fredericksburg, Kerrville, Bernie, New Braunfels, all through the Hill Country of Texas. It's a great district. Uh, I'm proud to uh, be running to represent the people of this district. It's, a, uh, it's frankly just it's a snapshot of Texas. It's a big city, it's a small town, it's urban, it's rural, it's got uh, businesses, it's got military installations, and so it's a, it's a wonderful district in the center of Texas.
1: You were chief of staff to Senator Ted Cruz. You're endorsed by Ted Cruz. You're endorsed by Mike Lee. Most importantly, quite frankly, you're endorsed by me. <laughs> Just kidding. And uh, the conservative movement, conservatives all around the country are rallying to your cause how many people are running in the Republican primary?
0: Well, there are 18 that are in the race. I think one dropped out, so there's 17 that are up tomorrow, uh, which is which is a large number. But you know what? That is that's a testament to the frustration that a lot of the people feel uh, that they want to see some change in Washington. And uh, it's been a great uh, time going around the district and getting to know the people as we've been walking, you know, walking through this race. And what I've found repeatedly is the extent to which people are across the board fed up with both parties. They're excited that President Trump is taking on the swamp, but they're frustrated with a block that they've got in the Congress that are not giving them what they need and not representing the people and helping the president drain the swamp. And that's what I hear regularly. Small towns, big towns in in this district. And that's why I'm I'm running. You know me. I've served uh, a number of of, uh, statewide Texas leaders, particularly Senator Cruz's chief of staff, was uh, the first assistant attorney general, Ken Paxton, worked for Governor Perry. I'm proud to have his endorsement as well. And in my experience, we can win this if the people are empowered to fight back against the swamp. And that's what we're doing, and and, uh, the message has been well-received throughout the district.
1: And you've been talking about these things for years and years and years, um, uh, issues and principles that are discussed by the Freedom Caucus, by conservatives all over the country. How does the election look right now? Is it impossible to tell because there's so many candidates?
0: Well, I I see see it through two lenses, and I'm glad you mentioned the Freedom Caucus because I've also been endorsed by Jim Jordan and Mark Meadows and the House Freedom Fund guys because, again, I've worked alongside of them, to stop amnesty, to stop a gun-grabbing bill in 2013 when they responded to Sandy Hook, to stop earmarks, stop spending, and you know this because you've known me for a long time, and the American people need that. They need people they can trust, and that's why I've got into this race, and I think through two lenses. One. I'm a little concerned about overall turnout and the relative enthusiasm among Democrats and what they think they can accomplish in Texas. But then I'm reminded when I get out and meet the voters in Texas and what they believe and that they believe in limited constitutional government and low spending and low taxes and they don't think we should be funding Planned Parenthood and that we should be defending life. They think we should be defending our military and they defend our gun rights as American citizens and protecting the Constitution. That's what the voters in the 21st District in Texas believe. So they're, they're responding and they're enthusiastic about what we need to do, but we have a lot of work to do to, uh, to make sure that voters show up, not just in the primary, but obviously in the general election in November. Mm-hmm.
1: And um, I guess it's kind of tough to poll right now, but are there any polls out there?
0: There's been a few polls, but for the most part, you're right, in a crowded field, in a, in a congressional primary, there's not a lot of polls, but... You know, we feel good about what we're seeing and seeing the numbers. It's important that if there's any listeners out there in the district or if you have friends in the district, that people show up to vote tomorrow, uh, show up to vote for a conservative that you can trust. But um, we feel good that it's moving in the right direction, that, that, that the response has been extremely favorable. You know, people are really tired, Mark, and you'll appreciate this.
1: <clears throat> you know, we often hear. Wow, people we'll say, appreciate that people are really tired. I can, I can vouch for that.
0: No, No, no kidding. <laughs> but, you know. What you know is is that you know people often say, hey, I'm tired of politicians who campaign as one thing, and they get to Washington and do another. Mm-hmm. But you know what? As I've gone around and talked to people and I walk them through what's really going on, they get even more fed up, which is this. They go to Washington, and then they look you in the eye, and they say they're doing one thing when they're doing the exact opposite at that, that moment. Mm-hmm. They say, oh, I'm repealing Obamacare. Then you look at the bill, and no, they're not. They say they're cutting spending. Then you get a trillion-dollar deficit spending bill. They say that they're, you know, going to seal the border and and not do amnesty. And, in fact, it's a bill that gives us amnesty and doesn't really seal the border. Mm -hmm. What we're seeing is that that President Trump is taking on the swamp and Congress is not really helping him out a whole lot. And that's why we need new uh, blood and new leadership in Congress and and the people of Texas have been responding to that message.
1: Now, um, if people want to help you, now, I I say this because of the election in the primaries tomorrow, where do they go?
0: chiproy.com that's chiproy.com and that's where we've got information about the issues and where people can obviously support contributions uh, you know sign up to volunteer uh, if we Lord willing uh, get into a runoff tomorrow which is which is you know with 18 people in the in the race you assume that it's tough to get to 51 percent and so in Texas we would assume you would get to a, a runoff if we can finish in the top two we'll need significant support between now and the may 22nd runoff but obviously tomorrow it's just showing up get out to the polls and uh, visiting chiproy.com to support us and, and make sure that your voice is heard. And I really appreciate the opportunity to be on your show, Mark. You're a great patriot in what you mean for this country. Uh, now your new show on Fox and everything that you're doing. Man, this country would be in a lot worse shape if it weren't for you out there voicing, giving a voice to liberty and,
1: and the message that we need to hear as American people. Well, you're really, really kind. Now let me ask you this. What percentage of the vote do you need to win outright, and what percentage do you need to be in the runoff if you know?
0: Well, 50.1 would would give us the the nomination. Um, you know, you got to get you got to get over 50. Uh that's very difficult with 18 in the field. Um, you know, we're obviously doing everything we can to drive out all the votes. I don't really know the number and I wouldn't want to peg a number to it uh for sure about what it takes to get into a runoff, but if we get the people to turn out. I mean, we expect probably 60, 65,000 people, maybe 70 at most, probably 60, 65,000 to show to to be voting in this uh primary. So, you know, with 18 people in the field, it, it you know, a few thousand votes here or there makes a big difference. So everybody who shows up, their votes are going to count. And uh, we uh, we feel good about it, but we need everybody to show up tomorrow and, and get it done.
1: Chiproy.com, correct?
0: Yes, sir. Chiproy.com.
1: All right. Everybody who can hear me, whether you're listening on digital radio, online, whether you're listening to satellite radio, whether you're listening to our affiliate in the district, Whether you're listening to Mark Levin app or iHeartRadio app, please, tomorrow, it could be low turnout, so it makes a big difference that you go and vote for Chip Roy in this district. It's very, very important that this man represent not only his district, but from my perspective, the entire country in the House of Representatives. He could be, you could be the next James Madison in the House of Representatives, as far as I'm concerned. That's how well I know him, folks. We've had a lot of discussions about a lot of things. And frankly, when it comes to substance from the Constitution, forget about my personality and his. He's a much nicer guy. The fact is there's not a dime's worth of difference. So I hope you'll go out and you'll get Chip Roy into Congress as a positive thing to do. Chip, good luck tomorrow. God bless you, my friend.
0: Martin, thank you. Thanks for what you do. And God bless you. Thanks for having me
1: on. And you too. Now, very, very important. All you folks who live in that district, please don't forget the vote tomorrow. Please don't forget the vote tomorrow. It's very important. Let us go to Michael, Palm Springs, California. Very, very nice area. And unfortunately, more and more liberal. Sirius Satellite, go.
2: How are you doing, Mark? Thank you for taking my call. You're the great one.
1: Well, thank you. But you can call me Denali.
2: (laughs) One of my bucket (laughs) lists is actually to come to CPAC and take yeah. a selfie with you and shake your hand. It would be my honor, sir. So I'm hoping next year I'm putting money away to go see you, and oh CPAC next year, and to take a selfie with you, and I'll be honored to do so.
1: You got it, baby. And when you see me, remind me that you are this caller. So go right ahead. Yes, yes sir. My mother is a, uh,
2: she um, She converted to Judaism. Um my ethnic background is I'm Hispanic, and my mother is too as well. Right. She is a nurse. She goes to uh, Israel mm-hmm. to help out with the relief. Um, I love the is- I love Jewish people. I love, I mean, I've gone to plenty of synagogues around the nation right. to talk to people of Israel. And I happen to be a bartender and a server, Right. and I work in a community with a lot of, Jewish people, mm-hmm. and my dealings with people from Israel is when you're from Israel, mm-hmm. you more con- on the sides of us constitutional conservatives. When you're from Israel, I would say have to say it'd be about 80% of the time you're all right. side with us. And in all your wisdom, I want to know why is it that people that are people that are Jewish that are from America or from mm-hmm. I would like to say Western society right. more lean on the the left right. side, and I'll I just, tell you I, why.
1: I'll tell you why. Look how many Catholics support abortion. Catholic politicians support abortion, which clearly goes against the doctrine in their faith. Uh, and the, there's the same problem within Judaism. In some cases, more. And the answer is, and we've talked about this. For the progressives, their ideology is truly their faith. They might be Jewish. They might give tepid support uh, to the faith. They might show up the synagogue time and again or even every week. Uh, maybe they uh, they participate in Shabbat and do things like that and say they're for Israel. But the fact of the matter is they're leftists who back Obama. Now, you cannot be a progressive and be a constitutionalist. I've made that argument in rediscovering Americanism, and I don't think there's any question about it. Moreover, it's hard to be a progressive and somebody who can say that they support Israel. Now, I know I will be attacked by the likes of Dershowitz and so forth and so on, but I really believe this. And so the mentality is the same within the progressives, the progressive ideology within Israel. The ideology and their party comes first. It comes before the well-being of the country. So, that's my answer to your question. I could go on and on for hours. I wrote a book in part. Not that addresses that, but it, but it, but it encapsulates that. And I want to thank you for your call, my friend. I'm being told we have to go. Hard break. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. E-care. You know, just a few days ago, the news was filled with yet another revelation about the Equifax break. This is a top big time breach. Cyber criminals exposed the personal information of millions more people than originally reported. Now, there's no reason not to protect yourself. You can get the same coverage that Fortune 500 companies have been using for years for less than 10 bucks a month. I've partnered with the best which is my ID care to bring you best in class protection from thieves who could empty your bank accounts or use your personal information for tax or medical fraud or attack your pension funds. I use my ID care and so should you. Credit freezes won't help you with tax fraud or other types of ID theft. My ID care covers you for nine types of identity theft. Their great CEO, Tom Kelly, is so committed to your protection. Listen to this. He provides a 100% identity recovery guarantee if you fall victim or your money back. Learn more and get 15%, 15% off at myidcare.com. It's very simple, myidcare.com. Use promo code Mark so you get 15% off. Or you can call their toll-free number, 866-334-3084. That's 866-334-3084. Call it right now on your cell or write it down, 866-334-3084, or go to myidcare.com, promo code mark. It is a truly top-of-the-line protection that you can get that was only available just a few years back to these major corporations, but now they're making available to you and my audience. had a great discussion with those folks. They're great sponsors. Travis, Springfield, Missouri, the great KSGF. Go. Hey, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. Um, you bet. I can't, can't tell you how much I appreciate you standing
2: up for for what's right. Um, on this tariff oh issue, what's got me really concerned, I'm a farmer, um, fifth-generation farmer here, and uh, if we get in any kind of trade war with China or Japan, something like who that. Who do they hit
1: and, first, sir? Pardon me? Who do they hit first? Yeah, the farmers. I mean, farmers. They go right the after price. our farmers. Right. And, and what corn prices are already
2: low. Um, if, if you drop the price of corn, you know, you know through lessing, lessening demand, we're going to be in trouble pretty quick. You'll see a lot of bankruptcies in farmers.
1: So The problem is we don't have a lot of farmers. People just think food just shows up at the grocery store. You know that, right? I know. So. And you guys work pretty hard, too. I mean, you know, you work with your hands, too. But apparently you're not a favorite group.
2: Right. Yeah, I started, you know, very early on in life. I'm, I'm an uneducated deplorable, I guess you'd call me. But I uh, started farming early. pretty sharp to me. I could to, to buy farmland and buy cows and, and farm. And, and uh, any sort of tariffs on my life could hurt my family really bad. So.
1: No, I agree with you. All right, my friend. I appreciate your call. Thank you. And thanks for doing what you do, because I like to eat. Matt, Austin, Texas, on the Mark Levin app. Go. Yes, sir, Mr. Levin. It's an honor to speak with you. I've been listening for almost 10 years now. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Yeah,
0: I'm a broadcast engineer for your favorite television channel, the Jewelry Channel.
1: I like the Jewelry Channel.
0: I know you talk about us all the time, and we appreciate it.
1: Do they know Uh, I talk about them all the time?
0: (laughs) I highly doubt
1: it. Yeah, but, me too. Uh, I just want to. I do to it say, kind of tongue in cheek, but anyway, yes. R- right, right. Um, but yeah, I've been involved in million-dollar
0: studio builds, and uh, I just wanted to say when I got CRTV, uh, Christmas uh, 2016, thanks to my lovely wife. I was just really impressed with Levin TV. Uh, You guys, you know, we'll do like an opening shot and you'll see the whole set, the lighting grid, the robot. Listen, we gotta go.
1: I should have gotten to your. You're exactly right. A lot of time and effort and a lot of money went into that set because we wanted to do it as best as we could for all of you. I hope you'll check out Levin TV, folks. And I look forward to seeing you. Hang in there. God bless. We'll be right. We'll be back later in the week.